official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Well, as Ian mentioned, we have an outdoor service that we do once a year, and we usually also do a picnic and baptism. By the way, bring lawn chairs, bring food. Otherwise, it'll just be an outdoor service for you and, and baptism. There will be no picnic or place to sit. Um, so make sure you bring that stuff with you. But we do it once a year, and um, we have that coming up on August 4th. Last year, when we had our outdoor service, I remember I got there early, and we were setting up the sound equipment, and our band was just kind of doing a sound check and playing through a few songs. And a couple inebriated individuals came into our pavilion, and one of them was carrying a 12-pack of Budweiser. And you could tell that that was not the first 12-pack that they had nursed that night. <laughs> they were already gone, which is why you drink at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning anyway. But they came into the pavilion and, and kind of listening to the music, and um, I had the chance just to like sit down with them and find out who they were, and invite them to come to our church service. And um, what they, one of them asked, well, is it okay if we you know, finish this wonderful 12-pack that we have during your service? I said, no, that's really not super appropriate. And so one of them decided not to stay, took the 12-pack and wandered off. But one of the guys, who was really drunk, decided to stay for our service, probably because he was so drunk he didn't know where he was. <laughs> So I found a couple of friends in our church to just kind of sit with them, introduce them to him, and, and uh, just kind of like make sure there were some, some healthy boundaries there. But that story reminded me of another story I heard about an outdoor public baptism. And the story goes like this. There was a, a church about our size, and they were doing a baptism in a river, kind of similar to what we do in the lake. And it, it was a little Pentecostal church, and um, they were in the water, the, the preacher, all the folks who were getting baptized, and the congregation was on the shore, and this inebriated guy just walks right into the water. This drunk guy just walks right into the water right, and stands right next to the pastor. And, and the pastor is excited because he thinks, wow, this person is ready to find Jesus. He's at a place in his life when he's, and of course, everyone in the church is excited. Wow, this per, we don't know this person, but he's going in there to get baptized. And so the preacher asks him, uh, our son, are you ready to find Jesus? And, and he he looks at the preacher and says, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm ready. And so the, the preacher prayed a baptism prayer, dunked him in the water and lifted him up. The whole church is applauding. Wow, this guy, he came to a, a church service, he's baptized, he's following Jesus. And the preacher asked him, did, did you find Jesus? And the guy paused for a second and he shook his head. And I, he says, no, I, I, don't, I don't think I did. And so the preacher says, well, we better do this again. And he prays twice as long for him, right? And his voice is a little bit louder this time. He's praying. And he dips him under the water again, pulls him out, and he says, did you find Jesus that time? Thinking for sure the guy found Jesus. And he says, no, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't find him that time either. So the, the, the preacher says, this time, I'm going to give my best Pentecostal prayer. You know, the kind where you spit and yell. It's so loud. And, he, and it's the, he had his hands on his head, and he's shaking his head back and forth because he is going to good and baptize him this time. And so he sinks him down under the water after the prayer. 
and he holds him there for a good five, six, seven seconds. He's going to make sure he's good and baptized. Pulls him up out of the water. And the preacher looks at him and he says, you better have found Jesus that time. And the guy paused for a second. Looked around. Of course, there's all kinds of tension. Everyone in the church is watching. And he says to the preacher, "Uh, are you sure this is where he fell in? (laughs) That's my only baptism joke that I have. (laughs) But we're going to talk about baptism today. Baptism, we've been doing a series called Rooted, where we've been going to the original language of our Bibles, which is Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And we've been pulling out one word and kind of digging down to the roots of that word to see what it what fully entails and means. And, and so the word today we're going to look at is baptizo, which you can guess is baptize. And there are three Greek New Testament words around baptism. There's baptizo, which is used 77 times in the New Testament. Then there's baptisma and baptismos, which are used another 23 times. And so baptism is referred to in the New Testament 100 times. So there's a significant theme. It's one that's important to understand. Baptizo means to immerse, to submerge. It also means to identify with. And so what I want to do this morning, is I want to look at three reasons that the New Testament gives us um, to consider baptism. And the first reason the New Testament gives for baptism is Jesus told us to do it. Pretty good reason, right? If we're endeavoring to follow Jesus and walk in the way of Jesus, then we we should take seriously what he tells us to do and what he does. And he told us to do it. Part of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, these words in Matthew 28 were Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascended to heaven. So this was the last time Jesus was going to see his disciples. It was the last time his disciples were going to see him. And he gives them these words, go make disciples and baptize them. Now, typically, when somebody gives their last words, their final words, they're weighty. They have substance to them, right? They're weighty. Um, Tonight, I have a funeral that I'm going to go to of a a friend and an old coworker. Uh, There's a church in Messina, New York that I was on staff at. I grew up in that church. I was on staff at that church for about a dozen years. And there was a sweet, dear lady who I worked with there. And she actually helped set up our 501c3 for this church plant 10 years ago when I planted it. But she passed away unexpectedly this week. And they rushed her to Burlington Hospital from New York. And so I was able to just kind of be there with her family moments after she passed which was really uh, important for me. But her funeral's tonight at 5 o'clock, and I'm going to go to the funeral after our service today. Um, actually, I'm having lunch with some people first, then I'm jumping in the car and driving to this funeral. Um, but one thing I do, and I don't know if you do this, but I do this. When somebody I know passes away, I try to go back and remember the last few interactions and conversations I had with them. Have you guys ever had someone you knew who who passed away? 
and you go back and you say, what was the last conversations that we had? And her death, of course, came unexpected. So the last few interactions I had with her, I didn't know those were going to be our final interactions. I didn't know those would be our last ones. But as I looked back and I started remembering them, they carried significant weight, more so right, than if she hadn't passed unexpected this week. See, let me ask you this question. If you knew that you were going to leave this earth and you had one last chance to talk to people you care about, I would guess that those final words you say would be pretty weighty and important to you, right? So these words that Jesus gives here are his final words to his disciples in person. And he tells them, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. And so he's encouraging them toward baptism. This was important to Jesus. And the disciples took it seriously. We read in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, after Jesus has ascended to heaven, uh, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and there's this great, great uh, worship service experience that they have, and there are thousands of people in the city, and they're, they're, they're experiencing God's Spirit moving, and Peter starts to preach a sermon to them, and there's thousands of people listening, and, and it says this, that they're all cut to the heart. They're cut to the heart, and and they say to Peter, what should we do? And Peter, in his sermon, he tells them, uh, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And it says that those who accepted, received that message were baptized, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Can you imagine a baptism service where 3,000 people are baptized? Well, that's what happens in Acts chapter 2. And this baptism was something that the followers of Jesus took very seriously. So that's the first reason to be baptized. Jesus told us to do it. The second reason to consider baptism is because Jesus himself was baptized. Jesus himself was baptized. And if we're aspiring to follow the way of Jesus, that means we need to do what he did. So have you guys ever asked yourself the question, why was Jesus baptized? Anybody ever asked that question, or did you just think, oh, well, obviously there's something to it if he was baptized? Well, let's look at his baptism. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It said, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Um, if, you, if you decide to be baptized on August 4th, we'll have one staff person try to talk you out of it. <laughs> John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So why was Jesus baptized? Well, at this point in Jewish history, baptism served one of three purposes. Uh, the first reason that people were baptized at this point in history was to demonstrate repentance. It was a way of demonstrating burying the old and becoming new. 
And so John the Baptist, we read, uh, was baptizing people into a baptism of repentance. Uh, and so as, even as you can imagine, as baptism is you dunk under the water, you bury the old, it's like this water grave, and you come up, right, into newness of life. And so that was the first reason for baptism in Jesus' day. But Jesus didn't need to repent, right, because he was sinless. So he wasn't being baptized for that reason. The second reason for baptism during this day, during Jesus' day, was for those who desired to convert to Judaism. So if you were a Gentile and you wanted to convert to Judaism, you'd be baptized. But Jesus was already a Jew. So that's not the reason he was being baptized. The third and the only other reason for baptism in that day was preparing oneself for priestly ministry. And so the temple had a big bronze tub called a laver. And it was right outside the tabernacle door. And the priests who did ministry were to, to wash, to come and wash in it before any priestly ministry occurred. And so it's interesting then when we read about Jesus' baptism, what we find is this, that his ministry, his earthly ministry, didn't begin until after he was baptized. And so when we see John the Baptist ref, kind of refusing to baptize Jesus, Jesus tells him, no, John, we have to carry out all that God requires. Uh, this needs to happen before I start ministering to the people, right? I need to be baptized. And so Jesus was around 30 years old at his baptism. He only ministered for about three and a half years before he went to the cross. But he was baptized first. Um, you, you might hear that and think, oh, that's, just a, that's a cool thing. You know, that's great for Jesus. He, he, uh, in the book of Hebrews calls Jesus our great high priest, so it makes sense that he would go through kind of a, 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 a baptism of sorts for, for ministry. What does that have to do with me? Why should I be baptized? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> How many of you here have a desire in your heart to serve and minister to your family, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, Right? We, we, as part of following Jesus is, is, is to express God's goodness, is to serve and to share and to minister. Well, the New Testament tells us that every follower of Christ is called to minister. See, we have this idea that um, pastors who are paid are ministers, and everyone else is just the term that's often thrown out is lay people, right? People who... Um, they just lay around. They don't do any ministry. <laughs> you leave that to the, the professionals who get paid for it. But the, the scripture in the New Testament specifically tells us that's not true. That we're all invited to be ministers of God's grace. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, there, there's a passage of scripture, a verse here, that uh, a lot of people refer to and they call it the priesthood of all believers. Have you ever heard that term before? 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, in Peter's writing to Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire, he tells them this, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Right? That's the job of the priest, to show others the goodness of God. And so if Jesus thought baptism was important before he ministered to people, what does that mean for us as his disciples? Right? Maybe that's part of why he included baptism in the Great Commission, his final words to his disciples. Go make disciples and be baptize them. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, third reason. Third reason for baptism in the New Testament is that when we're baptized, we publicly identify with Jesus. We publicly identify with Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And so you read a passage like this and you realize that identification with Jesus is at the heart of baptism. And again, when you consider the physical nature of baptism, the physical act of it, you're buried, you're immersed in water, right? It's this water grave, and and you come up into resurrection life. And so it's a physical act that we do that symbolizes Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. So when we go through that, that symbolic physical act, we're identifying with Jesus. Now, that sounds very strange. I have something even stranger to share with you. Sometimes scripture is strange. You guys notice that? You read it, and you're like, wow, that's strange. Well, that's because God's thoughts are not ours, and his ways are way up here. And we're just trying to get up to speed, right? But in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, uh, there's a real strange verse about baptism. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul is writing to, to the church at Corinth, and he tells them this. Don't forget that when the nation of Israel walked through the Red Sea, they were baptized into Moses. Doesn't that sound weird? What, 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 is, what is being baptized into Moses? And, and the Apostle Paul, he's telling the Corinthian church, don't forget that, that the whole nation of Israel was baptized into Moses when they crossed the Red Sea, right? Because Egypt had held them enslaved for 400 plus years, and God had miraculously delivered them, and they were headed to the promised land, but the Pharaoh changed his mind, and the Egyptians were bearing down on them. And so God parts the Red Sea, and they walk through. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, when that happened, the whole nation was baptized, into Moses. Well, what does that mean, baptized into Moses? The Apostle Paul is, is telling them that that's the moment when the nation of Israel identified Moses as God's chosen deliverer, right? When they, when they were cornered at the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his armies are bearing down on them and, and Moses raises his staff and the waters part and they all walk across to safety into, toward the promised land, That was the moment when they were baptized into Moses, when they started identifying with Moses as God's chosen deliverer. That's when they said, oh yeah, Moses, I'm with him. Right before, they're like, who is this guy? You know, there's all these plagues. He's leading us. He's got this staff. He's walking through the wilderness. Well, look, here comes Pharaoh and his army. What the heck's going on? Moses, maybe you should have just left us there. We'd be better off there. Then then we're all going to die now. But when they walked through the sea... They were baptized into Moses. They said, oh, yeah, I'm identifying with that guy because obviously he's God's chosen deliverer for us. Now, we're not baptized into Moses, right? We're baptized into Jesus. And when we're baptized, that's that's a way that we identify with Christ. That's when, when, when when we leave sin and bondage of death, 
and we crossed the Red Sea. We said, we're not going back there. Oh, yeah, Jesus, I, I'm with him. I identify with him. Um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says this. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. So when we're baptized, we're identifying with Jesus. We're putting on Christ. You know, I have an identifier that I'm wearing this morning. It's this wedding ring, right? I've been wearing this ring for 23, 24 (laughs) 20 plus years I've been wearing this ring. (laughs) My wife just raised her eyebrow. Oh, Jesus, help me. (laughs) And this this ring is is an identifier. It's a symbol of a relationship that I decided to enter into. And this ring is a symbol, right? It it has purpose. It does work. it It has a meaning to it. For one, it reminds me that I've pledged my life to someone else. When I see it, I, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've pledged my life to someone. And it communicates to others, right, that I belong to somebody else. It helps inform my decisions. Because before I put this on, when I made decisions, they only mostly affected me, even though there was a, a ripple effect on all my community and friends and neighbors. But now when I make a decision, it directly, greatly impacts another person. And so this helps me to know inform my decisions. It, it comforts me when life gets rough, right? Because I know there's somebody at least who's got to stick with me, <laughs> right? You ever feel that way? Life is just not going well. It's just you're just in a bad place. You're like, whew, okay, I, 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 somebody's going to be with me. It, it, it reminds me of my, of my own responsibility to the person who gave me this, right? My wife. It reminds me, oh, yeah, I have responsibilities towards this person. Um, It does all this work. Baptism is like putting a wedding ring on in your walk with Jesus. It's a reminder that you've pledged your life to Jesus. It it helps inform your decisions. It brings comfort to your life when, when, when things aren't going well. It reminds you of your responsibility to Jesus. It communicates that you belong to him. It's all those things. And at the heart of baptism is this idea of identifying with Christ, identifying with Jesus. So let me recap these three reasons for baptism. One, Jesus told us to do it. Pretty good reason, pretty solid reason. In fact, that was his last words to his disciples. Make disciples and baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The second reason is Jesus himself was baptized before his ministry began. And if you're like me, even if I was an occupational minister, I would want to be a minister to my friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, right? Whoever I'm with. I want want to show God's goodness to them and serve them and minister to them. And so if baptism was important for Jesus to do before ministry, then, then man, sign me up. I, I, I want that too. And then the third reason the New Testament gives us for baptism is to publicly identify with Jesus. To, to publicly identify with him. There, one of the reasons I love doing our baptism outside at the beach is because it's public. Like we could do it here. We could rent one of those big black round tanks and I could dunk you here. And that'd be cool. That'd be cool. And we might do that down the road because we have winter here, this thing called winter. 
where people aren't super psyched about getting into the water. <laughs> and if they are, there's something wrong with them. Um, we could do that. But I love that we do a public baptism at a beach. Um, be, see, I think sometimes we confuse faith in Jesus as something that's supposed to be private, but it's supposed to be personal. And there's a big difference between your faith being personal and being private. Our faith in, with Jesus, our, our walk with Jesus is supposed to be immensely personal, but it's, it was not meant to be private, right? There's a difference between personal and private. Last year, when we were having our baptism, um, somebody came up to me afterwards because there were several families kind of in this cove where we do this baptism, and, and there were some people kayaking, and there were some kids and some, some parents and adults that were just kind of like swimming, and they saw our whole group come down um, to get into the water. And, and um, we had our baptism service, and someone from our church came up to me and said, oh, you should have saw some, this thing that was so cute. Uh, but the, these little kids were, were wondering why you were dunking people underneath the water, and then everyone clapped. <laughs> makes sense, right? It's a little bit odd. You go to the beach, and why is that guy, like, putting, dunking that person in the water, and then he pulls them up out of the water, everyone's clapped. Like, are they clapping because the, they're going to live? <laughs> like, <laughs> is he teaching them swimming, a weird swimming technique to learn how to swim? What is happening? And, and this person from our congregation told me, the parents were explaining to him, oh, no, that's a baptism. What's a baptism? And, and in their own way, they were kind of explaining what baptism was. Man, isn't that beautiful and cool? That's why I love that we, we get an opportunity to do baptism um, in public at a beach. Can I just share with you really quickly of what a baptism on August 4th will look like? I know this isn't a real sermon. This is kind of like a little teaching thing with a little description. Are you okay with that? We can do that once in a while, right? Um, let me tell you a little bit of what baptism on the 4th will look like. Um, after our worship time in the pavilion, and it'll be a little bit of a shorter service, we will walk down to this little cove area um, at Oak Ledge, and it's really close to the pavilion. And what will happen is the whole church will kind of gather together there on shore, and we're going to finish our service in that little cove area. We'll gather on shore along with all the folks who are interested in, in being baptized. And I'll ask the, the folks who are being baptized to do one of two things, to either read or share a short prayer or a testimony or a reason why they're getting baptized. Now, qualifier. I know a lot of people, their biggest fear is speaking in front of other people. Their second biggest fear is death, which is a little strange. <laughs> but a lot of folks have, have fear in speaking in front of people. I have been speaking in front of people for 25 years. I still get nervous sometimes, right? So I understand that. We're not asking for a sermon to be delivered, where you have to come and speak and, and do a great piece of oratory for us all. I'm, what we're asking is you could even just write down a little short prayer, like, Jesus, I want to give my whole life to you, and I'm ready to be baptized. It can be that simple. Or it could, maybe you want to just share with the church, oh, here's the reason I'm being baptized today. Because God just, like, like what Peter did. Did you hear Peter's call to worship this morning? It'd be, be as simple as that, Right? And then what we want to do is we usually uh, march right into the water at that point. But what we'd like to do is give an opportunity for folks in the congregation or friends or family just to affirm or maybe encourage that person after they read that prayer or they share that testimony. And once everybody does that, 
And someone from our church will lead the whole congregation in a prayer. We might sing a stanza of Amazing Grace in acapella. Depends on how our voices are feeling after doing a whole worship service. Then we'll go into the water, and everybody's invited into the water. We usually go waist deep so we can dunk people full and wet into the water. And sometimes the people who are being baptized, it's just them who come into the water. Other times a family or a friend will come into the water with them because they want to be close to hear the prayer. Because what we do is once everyone's in the water, is we one by one, um, one of the pastors will say a prayer over the person. And when we're done the prayer, we say, plug your nose, here we go. And dunk them under and pull them up. And then there's ruckus applause, right? But sometimes the folks who are on the shore, they don't get to hear that prayer because you have to go out a ways to get waist deep. So everybody's invited in the water. Not everybody goes. But that's a little bit about what our baptism service looks like. And um, I just want to say one more thing before we close is perhaps you're here and you were baptized before, um, maybe as an infant, and you're wondering if you can or should be baptized again. I'll tell you that I was baptized twice. I was baptized once as an infant. I don't remember that time. I don't recall any of that. Um, but that was a, a, an act of faith by my parents. Right? When I was born, they were, they were wanting to dedicate me to the Lord. And so when I was an infant, they had me baptized. Well, when I became a teenager and I was discovering the way of Jesus, I was like, oh, I, I want to choose this for myself. And so I was baptized again. And it, um, it was a big step for me. It solidified my commitment to Jesus. It gave my faith direction, momentum, and I've leaned on that. Uh, time and again. So perhaps you're here this morning and baptism is the next step for you, whether you were baptized as an infant or as a child, um, and, and, you're, and you're thinking, oh, I don't quite remember that. Should I be baptized again just to uh, identify with Christ? The answer is yes. Come and talk to me. Um, and maybe you're here and you're thinking, oh, I've never been baptized, but I do want to identify with Jesus. I do want to, to minister to my friends and family and coworkers and classmates, and I, I do want to do that. Well, I'm going to ask you, we have two weeks, to be praying about that. And there is a sign-up sheet and the connect table in the lobby. If you want to inquire more about baptism or you just want to have a conversation, maybe you have some questions about baptism, write your name and email on that sheet. I'll reach out to you. I'd love to like, get coffee with you have lunch with you and answer any questions you have, talk to you a little bit more about baptism. Does that sound okay? So all our folks who aren't here today, you guys are, are dubbed. <laughs> Go tell them about baptism <laughs> because we want to make sure everyone who, who wants to be baptized has an opportunity to do that, okay? Can you help me with that? All right. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, the scripture. I thank you for the New Testament and the hundred times that baptism is mentioned. Obviously, it's, it's something that is important to you and, and your son Jesus in his last words told his disciples about baptism. And so, God, we take this whole service and we looked at those scriptures. But now, God, we need you to speak it to our hearts. That if you're calling us to take a next step of faith, of following Jesus, that maybe baptism is that next step for, for some in our church community. Uh, maybe there's some here who they haven't even taken a step to follow Jesus yet. This might be that first step, going into the waters of baptism. And so Lord, I pray for courage. 
I pray for understanding. I pray for uh, boldness. God, and I, I invite the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us throughout these two weeks and, and to, to talk to us uh, about baptism. And maybe for the folks in the room who've already been baptized, Lord, that you would speak to them about the beauty of their baptism and the power of their baptism. So as we have that baptism service, they're reflecting back on their own baptism, their own day when they put the ring on. They said, yes, I want to be identified with Jesus. God, I, I ask that you would even begin to prepare our hearts as we're two weeks out. Um, Lord, we're looking forward to that to that that day together, and we ask that, that we would be fully ready for whatever it is you're going to do, Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.